Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Star Trekking with Nerdy Up North. I am one of your hosts, Captain Goodwill, and joining me on the good ship Nerdy, good ship None, the USS Nerdy, is Science Officer Sinois. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of my title there because I'd already forgotten it. <laughs> oh, you're canon now. You're going to be on Memory Alpha next week. <laughs> Can you imagine on Memory Alpha? I, I would be editing that article the fuck. Say soft signos, Delton. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'd, just, I'd just be adding weird bits of backstory every week. And it'd be like, what the hell? How do we validate this, actually? Mike McCannon will be hiring you for lower decks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? He's just like, oh, well, we just Googled it. Said yeah, he was Canon. We've got the Spock helmet. Shall we have this dude? Yeah, why not? Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, yes, hello, everybody. Welcome to our seventh episode of our Star Trek Picard review. Um, we are nearly towards the end of this season, which is it's it's kind of sad. But It's sad times, sad times to think it's this close to the end of the season, because I'm really enjoying it. But we do have news. Breaking news as of... 24 plus hours ago um is that still breaking is that that's like lukewarm <laughs> if you if you do not go on the socials and only watch us exclusively for your star trek news then this shall be breaking news yeah, that's it. by the time this goes out it'll be like two days so it's like okay so it's still don't possibly alive news don't tell them there. the production magic that goes on behind <laughs> the um but yes we do have some breaking news uh cbs paramount announced yesterday that there is a brand new live action star trek series that's going to be in production from 2024 called star trek starfleet academy and from the statements that was released with the lovely little image that said Starfleet Academy, it said for the first time in 100 years, Starfleet Academy is opening its doors to new young cadets, which leads me to believe, Graham, this is in the 32nd century. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange one because it's a very lukewarm thing. It's like I, I think everything I saw for it online was met with a kind of, oh, good for them. You know, the like difference. that kind of. You know that thing where it's like not real excitement. It's kind of like a oh, cool, that's a thing. You know, I mean, well, this is yeah, this is something that's been trying to get off the ground since the eighties uh, with Nick Mayer, um, mm. uh, not Nick Mayer, um, oh, Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, Fleetwood. <laughs> He's just um, randomly in there. What well, he is, he is in Star Trek. So yeah, uh, this has been trying to get off the ground since the eighties, uh, and then Starfleet, the original series for Starfleet Academy, was then turned into the Undiscovered Country, mm. um, and it's been it's been sort of not in development hell, but just in story production hell. Yeah. Um, and Alex Kurtzman has expressed his interest in doing this for quite a while. Um, I think when it was announced, people thought, "Ooh, you know, next generation Starfleet Academy or, or original series," and I think the the hint that it's the 32nd century, everyone's just gone, yeah. I, I think this is the problem, though. It's like, I don't know who it's for. I don't know who is the audience for this. Because the whole thing is obviously, it's that means it's going to have a lot of ties to the, uh, you know, to Discovery, maybe, or these things. But, you know, but you kind of end up being like, you kind of end up being the Discovery fans are going to be like, yeah, but it's not Discovery. So why would we want it? And then all of the other fans who aren't, you know, who aren't a fan of the Kelvin timeline and stuff are going to be like, 
yeah, why isn't it set in like because obviously if you were gonna do a show about um Star Trek Academy, you would do it where you have like Boothby and You'd have stuff like a Red Squad. Like I'd probably set it around the time period and have one of the major plots coming up, the whole Dominion War bit. You know, you know yeah. the um, in DS Nine where it's basically going, oh, okay. There's a when they do the the inside job effectively, where Red Squad yeah. are the ones who turn all the generators off and stuff. Spoilers if you haven't watched it, but it was it was thirty years ago. Damn it. Yeah. Um, you know, like. That's probably when I do it, whereas this is going to be totally unique and therefore it's kind of there's no real grounding for it. And I think that's the problem. I think the the problem is that we're getting all of these Trek things where you want it to be grounded. You want it to tie into the existing stuff. And then they're like, no, we're going to create new races. We're going to go down a whole new path. And you're like, no, (laughs) it's like, that's not what that's not what I want personally, but you know. I think and obviously uh, Alex Kurtzman is alarm bells straight away, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, to play devil's advocate, Kurtzman has been involved in everything, but he sort of takes a step back when it comes to show running, which you mm. can see by uh Terry Metallis and Picard has been very good. And same with Strange New Worlds, it's it's been uh very good. Mm. I think with Discovery ending next year, um, which a lot of people believe that they are uh, they've delayed the premiere of season five so they can do some uh, tying up and adding extra episodes to tie it up. I think this is going to be the spin-off of Discovery with Mary Wiseman as as Tilly um, mm. heading up, you know, being in Starfleet Academy. I I'm not I'm not mad about it. Like some people I've seen on the social media, why are you mad about a show if you don't like it or watch it? Simple as yeah. that. Um, that's, that's exactly it. The idea of like, like I say, I'm not mad about it. I'm just a kind of, oh, okay, you, you yeah. could have done a lot of other things, but I guess that's what you're doing, you know. I think the the general desire at the moment is from from most Trekkies is they are doing so well with the original series era and the next gen, well, or next on next next gen era. Um, that people are like, well, hey, why don't you do what you did in the 90s where you had DS9 and Voyager all and TNG more or less running at the same time, where it's, this is a world that you're building. Um, but I think that they're trying to stay away from that because of fatigue um, being felt by Star Wars at the moment, where mm. you've had the Book of Boba Fett, the Mandalorian, Ahsoka Tano, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi to a lesser extent where it's all like mm. around the same time period and people are finding it quite exhausting to say oh there's 16 different bloody stories about the same what has happened in these years do you know what I mean so I yeah. think it's 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 an idea I think this has been going on for 30 years people were expecting a time period that they know but if they do it in the 32nd century I'll give it a try I'm mm. more than happy to give it a try. If it's good, it's good. If it isn't, it, it isn't. The the fans will let them know. Um, I will say, though, uh, I am convinced that uh, Michael Chan, who is on Star Trek Discovery, who plays a lieutenant in Star Trek Discovery, mm. I think he needs to uh, really get on the phone to Paramount and get a in and get more work back up in Toronto. If there's a Starfleet Academy series, Michael, you need just to be pop there. back on it. Just be like, okay, you know, like, do we know if it's set before Discovery or after Discovery? Like it's, it's after Discovery because well, Starfleet okay. Academy opened up at the end of season three, 
of Discovery. So right. it, it's going to be set after Discovery arrived. But, uh, you know, shout out to Michael Chan here. You could be the new Miles O'Brien because he was only a small role in Next Generation and then he became the yep. greatest Starfleet officer ever. And if we watch Lower Decks, he got a statue, damn it. That's what you want to aim for. Keiko didn't get a statue, though. (laughs) Villains don't get statues, Goodwill. (laughs) Keiko Conspiracy, coming soon to CBS. (laughs) Um, But no, um, moving swiftly on from that, though, we have received a fan question, Science Officer (laughs) Sinoids. Um, See, I don't know what this is. You've warned me. You're like, oh, we've had a fan question. You've given it a lot of fanfare. And if it's like, what's your favourite colour or something, I'm going to be like, you have bigged this up too much. What is your favourite subspace frequency? No. <laughs> um, the first fan question, um, long-time listener, first-time caller, Jake, from that porky little cult called Nerdy Up North. I don't know who they are. I don't know who Never they are. heard of him. Never, never, heard of never drink the punch, guys. If you ever come to our meetings, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got lovely Jake, aka Nerdy Jesus, aka the Bonkmaster 2000, um, has gone <laughs> quote unquote. <clears throat> hey guys, first time caller, long time listener. He thinks it's Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> right. There is a TikTok trend going around, Science Officer Sinois, um, where the name Borg has been yeah. um, has been taken over to stand for Blackout Rage Gallon, where the youth, that's Y-O-O-F, youth, as I call them, of today, are essentially making cocktails of booze by the gallon to drink and basically blackout. So... He says the name of these drinks have Borg-related puns to them. For example, one of them that he would have is Bill and Ted's Borgus Journey as a gallon of cocktail. Now, I have a question for you, Science Officer Sinos. Wait, okay. Your Borg gallon, what would you call it? And bear in mind, it has to be a pun. Ooh, I am really on the spot with this. I'm trying to think. Um, Do you want me to tell you mine? Why do you think? Yeah, yeah. Mine would be called the Borgias, named after the Spanish family during the Renaissance era. And it would just purely be a gallon of Spanish wine because that would <laughs> make me black the fuck out. So the Borgias. <laughs> um, hmm. Ooh, he's thinking, guys. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't do these TikToker trends. I really don't. I don't get... Who who goes, let's have a gallon of a cocktail and see what happens. I See, I'm terrified by TikTok. Like, TikTok is one of these things where, like, you, you know where, like, people aren't usually aware that they're old. <laughs> That's what TikTok is. You know how, like, all these people were like, oh, these young kids like this and stuff, but they never realize it's because they're old and that the people are young. I'm the just in the fully aware of it. I'm just fully aware that I'm just like going, yeah, I don't get this at all. Like, it's like, yeah. well, how is this? Like, like whenever I open it up or whatever to check messages, it'll just be like, yeah, no, it's literally just like someone mouthing a sound clip from a film and that's it and you're like that that's content is it 
Okay. Well, okay. Well, the bar's pretty low now. Well, um, to jump on the bandwagon. One. Yeah, to jump on the bandwagon, like you said, it, it, what would your gallon of drink be to black your house? I'm trying and to we work can, it we out. Can see, we can see if we can have a pun around it, because I've got a few swimming around in my head now. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think of something around resistance is futile. Resistance is futile, but I can't resistance think of any drinks futile. that sound like that. For, I think fruitile would yeah. be one, but it's like that's not good enough. Uh, what is it? For some reason, I've got spaghetti borgonese, where it's just a bloody <laughs> Mary. It's just what a gallon of blood. Goodwill. It's a it's a gallon of bloody Mary, <laughs> <laughs> and you suck it through oh. a celery stick. <laughs> it just totally got me but off guard. Uh, what is it? Oh, spaghetti uh, borgonese. If you've got any uh, yeah. borg related, um, God damn it, what is this TikTok? If you've got any uh, blackout rage gallon puns that you've you you can think of, guys, please put them in the chat below because for the love of God, I spent a good few hours thinking of this one this morning when I was told it. So I really put uh, the science officer on the spot here. You really have. I'm literally going to have a look for anything. Uh... Well, while, while you do that, while you do that, shall we? I tell you what, we, sh we shall give you the episode to think. Yeah, give me, yeah. Give me time to think about this and I'll come up with it. I'll be doing some Googling in the background. <laughs> we shall... <laughs> Cheating, I do. We shall, um, we shall get into this week's episode of Star Trek Picard, which is Season 3, Episode 7, Dominion. Ooh. Hey, could, do you reckon that could be foreshadowing of anything particular? The fact that we already know it's the Dominion? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not like last week's where it was the bounty, where it literally took me two views of the episode to go... Oh, that's why it's called Bounty, because the ship's called the Bounty, which is still a cloaking device from... You, you just tired. thought it was something to do with, um, you know, coconut-flavoured chocolate, didn't you? I was I was thinking Dog the Bounty Hunter. I just thought he was in space. <laughs> left Talking about just turning up. He does need a starship to be... A starship? Starship. <laughs> oh, it's got off the rails. A starship. Oh, starship. <laughs> the USS Bar. You give me one random question, and then it's <laughs> it's got off the rails. But no, this scene, this the, the show opens up with this scene at the and Graham's gonna love this because this is very DS9 themed off the bat. This is the Chintoka scrapyard, which is in the Chintoka system where. One of the greatest battles in Star Trek was taken place in the episode of DS9, Tears of the Prophets. Yeah. Which was the Chintoka system where we saw a load of ships get absolutely turned to scrap. The Titan is hanging around this scrapyard in the Chintoka system, most likely old uh, vessels from the Dominion War, which is still there. Um, also notably as well, Chintoka system, is where AR-558 is, where Nog lost his leg. Really? Yeah, and we had that great, great episode, the Battle of AR-558. See, now that that is one of those ones, like, I remember, what was the, was it one of the documentaries where it was basically saying um, about how uh, the, the actor who played Nog was getting all these messages from, like, war vets and stuff, just being like, Whoa, okay, because obviously it was that episode and then the follow up one where he basically lives in the hollow suite with uh, oh, he's in Vic's suite Vic yeah, for a while. Yeah. 
you know, these are really powerful episodes, man. Yeah, yeah. So the Titan is uh, hiding in the the wreckage of the uh, the old fleet at uh, Shintoka. Um, and my God, Graham, who do we get straight off the bat? Yeah. Who is Seven talking to? None other than Captain Tuvok. Isn't it great to get a bit of stuff? Because I was like, oh, you know, so at least in this in this timeline or whatever, he is cured of his illness kind of thing. Yeah. And he's kind of surviving because he was a bit of a big question mark after Voyager. He really was. Yeah, he because uh, it was an alternate timeline where uh, Tuvok had succumbed to a, an illness that was essentially driving him uh, insane. So it's 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 I'm glad to see. Uh, this Tuvok uh, thriving, hydrated, staying in his own lane, as the kids say. Mm. Um, or is it Tuvok? Mm. I, I think that's the thing. It's, 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 but I, I love how this scene sort of double bluffs it, where it's obviously it's showing how clever the changelings are because it has like, you know, them doing the check and then it's going, oh, actually, we're not, you know, the voice check doesn't really pan out. And then it's got Seven asking questions, but then Seven goes, oh, actually, comfortable. But then she keeps going with it. Like, she asks him a question about, like, um, beating her at... Uh, Ackley and Seven. Uh, no, well, she asks him about uh, beating her at... Calto. the game they played, boy. Calto, yeah. And whatnot. And he knows that, and she's like, oh, you, it is him, kind of thing. But then she asks another question later that totally, like, you know, reveals him, and it's like, I think this episode does a great thing of demonstrating how terrifying the changelings are, like just mm. how compromised and how dangerous they are to Starfleet. You know, like, and yeah, just this idea that you know, even someone who knows Tuvok that well could be fooled. <laughs> you know, yeah. like. It's yeah. and, and I think that's wonderful because it kind of sets the stakes for the thing. Like it really feels like someone watching this who hasn't seen DS9, who hasn't seen Voyager, can understand, oh, okay, these are this is a threat, you know, like the 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 stakes are high in this series. Yeah. So like you said, they do the double bluff because uh she mentions Kaltor and, and uh Tuvok says, you know, well yeah, I was uh I could never beat you at Kaltor. And then uh, she suggests a meeting at Ackley and Seven um, because she says, oh, well, that's why I got my neural net stabilised. Um, and he agrees. So then she knows there's something wrong because she immediately claps back and says, um, Vulcans wouldn't go to Ackley and Seven because of the call and our protests. And mm. my friend would know that my neural net was stabilised on Voyager by a mind meld by my friend. And then that's when it's released. And then the best bit of this is where you just see him smile. <laughs> yeah. Every trek he goes, oh, you know something's wrong when a Vulcan is smiling. Um, it's also the idea of like, you know, the, the fact that a changeling is like, oh, you've got me, you've got me, but we've got you, <laughs> you know? It's like... Yeah, yeah. So he immediately started, he tries to trace and tries to trace and they want to know where Tuvok is and where Riker is. And basically they say, well, when, you know, when we are done with them, they're going to wish, you know, they're going to be welcome of death. Um, and then we get that very chilling uh, shapeshift into a sort of corpsified Riker. Yeah. And I was like, oh, damn. And uh, the connection is lost. And the Forge like, basically says, we're going to have to accept it. We are on our own. Because these changelings, they're everywhere. Yeah. They are 
everywhere. And I like that that demonstrates that they have, like, you know, it's not just Tuvok that they've spoken to. They've obviously tried a lot of people and they're still going, oh, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're totally on our own. It's That is terrifying. That is, that, yeah, that is absolutely terrifying to realise that, you know, an entire uh, fleet is is compromised and that there is nowhere to turn to that must be a terrifying thought um but then we get to the next scene after the opening credits where we get a, bit, a, a little bit of exposition to basically say that Worf and Raffi are looking for Riker so they're off so it establishes that Worf and Riker uh, Worf and Raffi sorry won't be in the episode because they are looking for Riker um and then we get an observation lounge briefing between Geordi, uh, Beverly and Picard going on about um, what can they do to exploit any potential weaknesses that these new mutated changelings um, have. Mm. And we get we get into it very quickly. We get into an ethical, ethical conundrum. Well, I, I really like this because it's like. I think one of these things that like, you know, TV shows tend not to show and, you know, like. TNG was very good that it did get into morality quite a lot of the time with stuff, obviously, you know, a lot of the episodes, but it's, it's that idea of just like, and it, it, it harkens back to reality where we have like stuff like the second world war where, mm -hmm. you know, looking back, we're like, we shouldn't have used the nuke. And that was like a terrifying thing, but then you're like, yes, but it wouldn't have ended otherwise. And it's the same with the, I was talking to someone the other day about like, um, about uh, DS9 and about how it's all about tough decisions. Like, it's the fact of, like, Cisco is classed as, like, he's kind of classed as, like, the bad guy captain mm. because he makes the hard decisions. But it's this whole thing of going, they are literally in the middle of a war. And the problem is that they wouldn't have won the Dominion War without Section 31 being absolute bastards. Without the virus being created, they wouldn't have won the war. And because the changelings now are so perfect that this might be the only way to defeat them is yet another genetic virus that'll kind of, you know, and because, like Beverly says, because the only way to implement this is potential genocide, yeah. it's really scary. And it's the, the fact of, like, how good it was to have a captain like Cisco in DS9, where we, we get, like, the Federation, where it's like, we talk about Voyager, we talk about TNG, and it's like, oh, but they managed to keep to the Prime Directive, and they didn't upset the apple cart too much, which isn't the case, because they did break the Prime Directive a lot. Pretty much a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it, <laughs> including you, Picard, damn it. Yeah. Um, but this, I, this idea of, like, they were in this cushy little zone where they were like, yeah, you're not at war, you don't need to have big decisions. Like, you know... Um, yeah, whereas in the Dominion War, it's like, ah, actually, and it's kind of scary. I think it's scary for people who want to be moral and people who want to be, like, the good guys being put in a position like Beverly is here, where you just go, oh, oh, our only real option, because you can't just root them out and shoot them or whatever, is genocide, which is... Yeah, I, I love this scene because it kind of points out, like, how buggered they are and how... You know, Picard's having to question everything, really, you know, because he, he does do some pretty harsh stuff in this episode, or at least consider doing some harsh stuff this episode. But you can kind of understand it at this point. It's a case of um, the, the two biggest threats that the Federation had faced in this period, obviously the Borg mm -hmm. and um, the Dominion. 
both of them, and let's be honest, one of them that did it twice was bioweapons or one bioweapon and a virus, two viruses. Yeah. So the Borg, they had the ability to launch a virus in TNG, but they chose, they, they, they took the high ground when they did that. Mm. Well, then Voyager also transmitted a virus through the Borg, which destabilized them. And then in, obviously in DS9, Section 31 came up with the virus. Yeah. And it's sort of like, in war, there are no good and bad guys. Nothing is black and white. Everything is gray. Mm. And it this is what Deep Space Nine did really well to paint, that there are no good and bad guys in war. It is all very murky. People do bad things on both sides. And it painted Starfleet in a more authentic way to basically say, yeah, millions of people are dying. And if you want millions more, if you don't want millions more to die, we have to do this really shitty thing mm. to put a stop to it now. This is what they did in the Second World War when they dropped the bomb. If we don't do this shitty thing now, millions more will die going forward. We need yeah. to be the bad guy to end this. And that's a scary thing. It's like the, you know, the episode with um, the... Oh, what are they called? I want to call them mutants, and that's really offensive. But um, Oh, the, the... organs. Pardon? The augments. Are they, is that what in they're DS9, called? In DS9, the, the genetically... Yeah, the, yeah the, the I know that they're the same as Khan, but it's this idea of I can't remember what they're actually called, but they're genetically modified uh, yeah. people. And obviously they kind of go like, hey, we should really surrender because that'll save more lives. And you're like, oh, that is a big decision, but it's also not what we want. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like... But technically what they do is like kind of similar. It's, they don't surrender. They just create a virus that will kill a lot of changelings potentially but will win the war and i think it's good because because you know that guy was saying on the other day about like how there's a channel on youtube and i find myself disagreeing with nearly everything they say about yeah. everything i won't mention it here but i was just like oh okay i really dis dislike this um and they were saying very much like oh you know everyone's really bad in ds9 and stuff and you know they shouldn't be celebrated as heroes and things like this and you're like going but they got the job done in that horrendous way of basically they did save the galaxy effectively yeah. and it's and i think there's a lot of people in the world who haven't been put in positions where they have to make bad decisions where yeah. they think that there always is a perfect thing and i'm like if you watch tng you'll know exactly that there's you know unwinnable scenarios because it's a whole plot of an episode you know well, let's not, and why troy's not a captain but, <laughs> but let's not forget as well if you were in that universe they would not consider themselves to be heroes. Yeah. You you exactly. couldn't go up to you couldn't go up to say uh Kira and say you are a hero, you saved it because she won't see herself as a hero. She would just see herself as someone who was in a position and that had a job to do to 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 stop the slaughter, to stop the war. They won't see themselves as saviors or heroes. They just they had a job to do and they they went and done it. Well, that's it. We have it where there's episodes where she's trying. They're trying. People are trying to praise her for her work in the resistance, and she's like, "No, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't feel like a hero at all." And it's the same as in the end of the in the pale moonlight, where Cisco is very much, very much like you know, he's saying, "Oh, I can't live with it," and you can tell that he can't. You can can't, tell that it's no. this thing, this, well, this thing to that's going to haunt him forever. The yeah. same as Picard being Locutus, where it's like you can hope with it eventually, but it's never going to be. You know, that's never going to heal, but yeah. it needed to be done, you know? 
But whatever they, they like I said, so they discuss the uh, the bioweapon and they basically, Picard's basically saying, whatever they're planning to do, it involves Frontier Day. Um, and as an admiral, he is part of the maneuvers of the fleet. Mm. But in order to be part of the maneuvers of the fleet, there needs to be genetic level authentication um, in order to be part of the fleet. Mm. And he said, whatever they need, they need my body, my old body, and yeah. they need Jack. And Beverly says, well, what if, because they've got the, your body, they need the DNA of a relative? Mm. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. So they go to... I'm kind of confused by it, though, because isn't he a robot now? He's an android. His old body that they stole from Daystrom. Yeah. No, they but I mean, got... like, if if they were like, hey, he's an admiral, so for the parade... He needs genetic val validation. Surely the people doing it would be like, oh, yeah, he's a robot now. So we probably yeah. should skip that step. Or, or you know, like, because they made a big fuss in the last episode about, oh, Data's biological now. And I'm like, is Picard biological? I don't think he is. I think he's pretty much an android, but with his own mind. So I'm a bit like, I don't get it. <laughs> I was really confused by this because I was just like, surely they'd be like, okay, well, we'll check his circuits or something against That's potentially a plot hole then yeah because... i don't know like but but here's the weird thing though because i don't know if maybe there's an aspect to it or maybe it's like because i think later on in the episode we won't say now but i think later on in the episode there's like a, another reason why they could have taken the body but i think it's maybe picard mm -hmm. jumping to conclusions here and thinking Oh, that, maybe that's why they've done it. But I don't know, because I, I, I assume that Picard, as he is now, is not biological. But I know he's meant to age and stuff, but I don't think Yeah, he's... yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting point that you've brought up, though. So I wonder if they're going to explain. I mean, we'll know the true intentions, but like yeah. I said, that that is, yeah. Well, I think the great thing is this episode, you know what I've been saying in the in the previous episodes about like how this series has the self-awareness to go, aha, you thought that was a plot hole, but actually, and then it answers it. Mm. And it's weird because it's all pre-recorded, whereas it feels very much like they've heard the audience complaining over the internet and they've answered it properly in another episode but it seems to have done that like it with foresight <laughs> so like before it's yeah. aired they've gone aha we knew you'd ask that and it's very clever but we're so i i have kind of full confidence that if there are people going aha but why would that happen then the next episode there'll be a line or something being like oh but there's still an element of my biology about me and that's how i do all of the starfleet checks or something terry metallis terry metallis has said on twitter that Everything that is said on screen is said for a reason, hmm. which I sort of get because we, we, me and you have also discussed certain things in one episode and then the next episode they've explained it. We're like, oh, okay, right. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so maybe next week we might get a, a, a filler for that plot hole, perhaps. Um, but they decide they need to know why uh, Picard's body was stolen. So hmm. they go and see uh, Data Slash Law where Alandra, Geordie's daughter, is uh, working with her father, trying to find out what's going on. They activate uh, the the golem and its data straight away. And immediately he thinks he's still on the Enterprise. He, he's like, the Enterprise, what's happened with the scimitar? And mm. Picard's like, this was a very long time ago. And I like <laughs> the fact he still calls him Captain as well, because it's, essentially this data is the backup from 2002's Nemesis. Yeah. So he won't know what's gone on. He he hasn't been 
Mm. You know, he hasn't been apprised of the situation. But as he's talking, we get this great um because Picard asks, why have this why have they taken um my body? And we get this great split between data and law. And Spiner's acting yeah. in this because it's on a dime, like yeah. an android should, on a dime split, where Law takes over and it's like, oh, you're an old man, old, weak man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But Data comes back and he's like, well, well, Data's not in complete control. And, yeah. and I, I, I like this. Like, I think it's beautiful, like the way that, like, obviously, uh, Brent Spiner's um, depiction here is absolutely beautiful. Like, and it's done so well that... It's so good to kind of get an ending to law because, like we were saying, I don't know canon-wise what law, what's happened with law. Like whether he's mm. floating in space, whether he's totally deleted, whether he's on a USB stick somewhere. So it's kind of wonderful to kind of have law in this capacity and go, "Hey, we can get a conclusion for law here." And then what they're saying is obviously that they've partitioned both law because that because obviously the the way that they're not talking about it they're going like hey sung uh b4 b4 sung b4 and um lal uh, uh lal yeah uh, well they say there's four identities in this episode they say there's sung lal uh law and data but yeah. sung and lal uh are there but Data and law are more yeah. partitioned as memory. Yeah, they're, they're basically saying that the the other ones they have their memories. They basically mm. have the data from them and whatnot. Whereas law and um, whereas law, law and data are actual personalities in it. Mm. But rather than making it where one of them's dominant, they've partitioned them. And obviously, I think they're trying to go, hey, if we can go, well, you know, they suggested. Uh, Atlan was Atlan was trying to go. Hey, we if we can take the good aspects of law, so therefore the the personality, the humanity, technically, and give that to data, then that would be great. But obviously, it's yeah, and it, it's good that it kind of explains it rather than being like, hey, it's fan service because we needed law in here somewhere. We needed like an aspect of like threat here, which is what it is. You know, that, that's it essentially is. that's what it is. But it's good that they can kind of give it a universe explanation for it, I think. I think that's what this show is doing well to a certain extent, where they're saying that um, everything is, you know, it's fan service done right, where it's it's here for a reason. So, you know, Fleet Museum. Oh, you well, Jordy is Commodore of the Fleet Museum. So, of course, mm. you're going to see the Enterprise A, the Bird of Prey, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Where, um, to a lesser extent, where they said, well, the Moriarty you saw wasn't the Moriarty that you're aware of, but it was Data trying to hint at you that he was in control of Daystrom by showing the crow, the mm. holographic Moriarty, which was such a pivotal role in certain episodes, you know, because mm. it was a role. It was a four to defeat Data and stuff like that. But that was a weaker extent. But this is like, yeah, we've got law because... Some wanted to have the best bits of law amalgamated into data. Basically, he wanted data to have the humanity of law without the mm. shitty bits, which is like okay. But this is the thing. I mean, fighting. the fact is, law is pretty human, which is horrific. Yeah. 
but it's like he's the worst part of humanity but it's this it's like you know those ai bots you know where they kept doing the microsoft kept releasing like ai bots on like twitter and then after like 24 hours they became like nazis and you're like okay you know and, and yeah. i love the idea that that's pretty much what law is where it's like going hey we yeah we subject an ai to like the reality of humanity and then we're like Oh, <laughs> oh dear. But it's good to have him back because again, this is a character like Raw. This is a this is a loose end. Yeah. So and I'm very I'm very happy that they did this, and I'm very happy for these scenes that we get because it does feel oh great, we're getting more of Law. I mean, yeah. I think I'd like to. I I think it'd be really interesting if later in the ser series we actually get them coming together and like you know almost like a sort of a callback to Tuvix. Where it's this idea of if we actually go, hey, look, data, Eugene, <laughs> um, <laughs> like you know, like we've said goodbye to data. Yeah. We we've said goodbye to data. Maybe what we need is we need like data and law actually combined into a new entity. So law data da. is technically dead, <laughs> but it'd be da law da, dare. Da law. <laughs> I don't know. Da law before. Oh no, no, law da. Law da. Law da. No, I, I think it's this idea. It would need to be clever because obviously you've got law, which is basically the sort of story, and then you've yeah. got data, which is like the facts. So it probably need to be another word oh. in that kind of thing. You know, you know how it is. Like, because obviously law is basically <laughs> non-factual but sort of relevant. And then, uh, yeah. Oh dear. Uh, but yeah, so they say. Um, so they ask. So data takes back control of the body, and mm. Picard asks why. Did the changelings want Picard's body? Um, and a really little good bit of tidbit information where Data is reading the file and it basically says, well, the findings that Picard had Iromodic syndrome have now been thrown into question because there were anomalous parts when they conducted their examination. And you're like, oh, dip, did he really have Iromodic syndrome? What was what going on? I mean, I don't want to be rude here, but going back to my Beverly is a shit doctor theory, oh, imagine oh, if all of it was just misdiagnosed. <gasps> and it was literally just her being like, sorry, I was looking at Etsy on I was looking on Etsy for candles and got distracted. Oh yeah, it looks like a remotic syndrome. But <laughs> Wow. I'm telling you that candle is at Daystrom. <laughs> it will be Jesus Christ. Just That's gonna be the next thing that comes back. Sexy ghost, get sexy candle ghost. Um, <laughs> I, I love how when I was writing notes for this, I actually wrote down aromatic syndrome, and I was like, <laughs> aromatic, which is kind of candle related, really. Corpory <laughs> related diseases, guys. <laughs> That's this what is... nearly killed Picard. I'd love it though if we were like, if Picard's just like, hang on, are you telling me I didn't have aromatic syndrome, so I didn't need a fucking android fucking body? You know. But what did he die of then? Well, this is that. This is obviously what it's going to tie into. I think. I think it's the Fox idea style. of maybe there was like a, <laughs> maybe there was like a like Borg stuff still going on in his system. Because oh, I'm kind of thinking yeah. that you might be on the right track with your theory about like that the reason why they need Picard's body is for Borg aspects, or what's happened with Jack might be for Borg aspects. But well, but yeah, before but no, but get... it is a scary concept to go like, oh, wait, were we totally wrong about that? You know, like the yeah. aromatic, the thing, the, the syndrome he's got, but I can't say the aromatic yeah. syndrome. Aromatic syndrome, death by porpory, guys, death by porpory. <laughs> 
But as they're about to get the answer to that, Law takes over and it becomes too much because they can see that Law and Data are fighting. So they mm. decide to shut off the uh, Sung unit. And Jordy, uh, Picard asks Jordy, can't we just kill off Law? Or can't we just, you know, remove Law? And basically, he they are that integrated within each other that if they kill one, they're going to kill the other. So mm. they don't want to do the risk. So Jordy um, decides that they're going to do more research. And then we go back to the Shrike, mm. um, where we see uh, Varric superiors, the hand goo uh, superiors. Now, I have, I have to say that this was really good because, mm. um, well, we, we, we kind of saw two things. A, the subtitles were working this time, which was great. Uh, where you know how last time I was saying that I didn't get any subtitles on Amazon yeah. Prime for the Changelings, so I didn't have a clue what they were saying. In this one, we had subtitles, so we got to hear what they were chittering away at and whatnot. But I thought it was really good where they're, you know, they're talking to the boss effectively, and the boss says one thing that makes you go, "Oh, they're not a Changeling." Like, so the Changelings aren't the the big bad in this. Because the the boss refers to Vadik as you and your kind, not our kind. Or could it be that they see Vadik and her kind as a lesser species? Oh, like because of what we find out later. Like, Potentially. I mean, I, I like your theory. I do like your theory because I'm convinced that that's Zordon from Power Rangers. <laughs> I, it's evil Zordon, everyone. Um, I'm, I like your theory. Mm. that it could be a higher species but in the same aspect would the changelings as a whole be controlled by another species when for thousands of years they have been the dominant species of the gamma quadrant but bear in mind though that when when we start this the changelings are on the back foot like since the actual because you've got to think that like after the dominion war like was we've seen it as we've seen in the previous episodes Starfleet has measures like they check every ship they check everything they have blood tests everywhere they have like you know phase sweeps so it's this idea of going actually after the Dominion War it's probably a nightmare to live as a changeling like they probably don't have you know and we can only assume that obviously that maybe the Dominion got dismantled like maybe there are no more Jem'Hadar like maybe they just stopped breeding them kind of thing maybe the Vorta have gone off and done their own thing in the Gamma Quadrant you know like this crazy thing where we just go maybe the Changelings are desperate and on the back foot and they could have turned to another power in order to get their revenge or it could be that Vadik is like because they're an out uh what do you call it like a, a splinter group effectively and the, they don't have access yeah. to what the dominion does and therefore they have sided with another power potentially i mean i, I like yeah. it but it's but you, you're very very much right like later on in the episode we find out that vadik is a subspecies of changeling kind of so it could be referring to you and your kind as in these mutant versions yeah but yeah. I I did interpret it as being like, oh, the guy talking while he's formed of goo from changelings, that's not actually what he looks like, you know? So space goo. <laughs> well, you know, it's out of that weird Zoom thing. But, goo. <laughs> but I did think, because this is one thing, though, we have never seen changelings with psychic powers. We have never seen changelings with psychic powers 
We've seen water with psychic powers, and that quickly got retconned. Um, you know, it's, oh, I, I, have, I didn't I think I had that. Um, but it's the fact of during this conversation, he makes her well, he it it makes her transform, like makes her sort of involuntarily change, and you're like, what kind of can a changeling do that? You know, like really. over a distance, you know, and it makes me wonder maybe there's some crazy psychic race that's controlling the changelings. I, I have a theory for later on, but we'll get to that point mm. because I had a, a few quotes from this scene where he, the, the superior says, your physiology is not as complex as you believe mm. and that we must have the boy. Otherwise, you and your kind will find your own existence meaningless. And then for her to sit back at the chair and be visually scared, yeah. how fucking serious are these superiors to have Vadik scared? And I think and I think this plays out because it's like this is the whole thing about good writing. Like, because later on in the episode, Vadik does something that is stupid as hell. You know, like All Vadik. Right. Well, Vadik does something that is stupid as hell. And you just go, why the hell would they do that? And it's purely because of this scene, purely because we've seen here how high the stakes are and we've seen how affected Vadik is by it. And that's that's what I think is great about the writing here, because it's this idea of when it got to that scene later where Vadik is getting a bit desperate, you're like, yeah, Okay, that's kind of believable. It's justifiable you know, why she's doing yeah, it. Yeah, rather than being like, hey, the last time we saw you, well, not the last time we saw you, but basically, you know, like the, yeah. you know, in the first couple of episodes, you were like, yeah, she has all the time in the world. Like, you know, there's no risk at all. Like, they totally have the upper hand. But now uh, the clock and, is ticking. Yeah. Yeah. And now, yeah, that's it. And exactly what she says to the other changeling, basically, like uh, later on, like, you know, can you hear that? <laughs> the, the clicking. The, the ancient clock, clock tick. Dude, I love the way Amanda Plummer's acting. She's I so really good. Do. Like it's just, I love that like craziness. And it must get weird. Like in her head, she must be like, "Have I used that pitch yet? No, no. Have I used that tone yet? Okay, cool. You know, it's like cycling through all these different weird ways of saying each word." Um. So then we go back to the Titan. Uh, we're mm. in a cute little turbo turbo lift scene with Jack and Sydney. Mm. Um. And Jack is trying to chat up Sydney. Uh, saying, you know, hey, have you got a quarters yet? Because I've got this sweet little suite on deck five. <laughs> it's not about the size of the quarters, it's how you use them. Yes. Yeah, so then suddenly out of nowhere, he can hear thoughts. Well, but before this, before this, we hear her in a monologue. And obviously, I think that's him hearing it. Yeah, but yeah. is this the first in a monologue we've ever had in Star Trek? No, people have read minds before and stuff. No, no, but that's Basically. it. It's like because I didn't, I didn't think that this was reading minds. I thought it was genuinely like an inner monologue that she was having, and I was like, oh, this is weird. This is like something you get in a teen drama, not like you know Star Trek. But I guess to be fair, if we explain it as, oh, well, he's it's actually him hearing this rather than it being her, you know. Um. Yeah, it it, it sort of came out. Uh, it sort of came out of the blue for me. Um, but then obviously she's like, oh, you know, if it's going to be sort of just touch his hand. So he just immediately starts touching her hand and then she gets a little bit freaked out about it. Mm -hmm. And then we see the, the red vines again, and then his eyes start glowing red. And this is what I want to talk about mm -hmm. because we have seen, we have seen red eyes before science officers sign on. Do you want to know who 
had red eyes and who made others glow with red eyes? Um, was it Neelix? The Par Wraiths. No. The Par Wraiths. Because they inhabited Jake Tisco. And what did they have? Red eyes. The, yeah, when they, they inhabited Golden Cat. Cat, they gave him Red No. Eyes. Could it be? No. Could it be? To be fair, though, maybe that's it. Maybe the fucking big bad of the series are the Parwaves, and they're the ones controlling Vadik. They're the ones controlling... That would be very interesting. Hear me out. So, obviously, the Dominion is in the Gamma Quadrant, and the only way they get to the Alpha Quadrant is through the Wormhole. We do have the Wormhole inhabitants who have a good side, and they have a dark side. Mm. Cisco is with the good side. The Par Wraiths were locked away yeah. um, in a in an orb, and they were released uh, in the fire pits of uh, somewhere in Bejar. The name escapes me. Uh, but they're literally just called the Fire Caverns. Yeah. I don't know oh, they it, have an actual province name it, it gives it. Was the orb sealed at the end? I can't remember. Kind of, because obviously the... What's the book called? The book is called the... Costumogen. Costumogen, which sounds like... I don't know, that sounds like a coffee or something. Costum- you know, like I'll have a white costume. Costa, if you are listening, a Star Trek themed <laughs> beverages, please. I would like a rack to Gino right now. <laughs> it actually sounds it sounds like it should be a drag queen. We need a Star Trek related drag the queen called Costumogen. Costumogen. Oh wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Could be slightly Spanish, not sure. But um, yeah, anyone who wants to do that, that'd be amazing. Right, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the uh no, it is. It, I think, though, what it does is it basically says, hey, the, they've been sealed in the caves and the Costumogen is destroyed by the flames. And therefore, that's the only way to set them free. So it kind of suggests that they're locked there permanently because there's no way to open the door now. But you could story a way out of it, maybe. I, I think. Although maybe I mean... it wasn't all of them that were there because some of them escaped. Like, obviously, the one in the one that Golda Cat had wasn't locked away in the fire caves with the others. It was in a statue. So there's probably others knocking around. I think. I love these crazy theories I keep coming up with. <laughs> I think it's the Parraiths mm. who have done a deal with the Changelings mm. um, in exchange for the Parraiths taking over the wormhole. Mm-hmm. Uh, allowing the changelings to have a permanent corridor into the Alpha Quadrant to retake the Alpha Quadrant and rid the Quadrant of us solids. <laughs> Those pesky solids. But my question is, how is Jack involved in the Pirates? That's what I want to know. We're gonna, we'll get to this later, so we'll get back into this later. But it's the fact of what we're That's seeing is we're theory. seeing that Jack <laughs> has psychic powers. Like We're seeing that Zach... Uh, Zach? Uh, we're getting back to Power Rangers now <laughs> again. Sorry, sorry. It's more was, was, was Zach the Black Ranger? Which one? In Power Rangers. Yeah, remember. which one? What? Zach. Yeah. Wasn't Zach the name of the Black Power Ranger? 
You ask me something I watched thirty years ago. I mean, well, but hang on, we're talking about DS Nine here. Yes, but I've seen that every single. I've seen that every year for the rest of my life. Power Rangers, I saw once. You need to get on it. It's coming back to Netflix. You need to sort it. But oh yeah, my God, um, the law of Power Rangers. <laughs> oh God, I can't even get started. I went there. You know when you go down like a weird wormhole on like a Wikipedia or something, and I started reading about Power Rangers, and I was like. I didn't realize there was like 30 series of it and they all have bizarre stuff and you have Lord Zed goes off somewhere and gets <laughs> married to Rita and then and then apparently like clockwork aliens come over and they take over the galaxy but then they get defeated by samurai robots and you're just going like what what is this but anyway 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 Jack. yeah totally that could be a different show but yeah but I think like Jack Jack is psychic that's weird so maybe he's a par race and he doesn't realize it or something like that and that's why they need him back um but yeah i i it's very interesting but yeah i and also it's the idea i'm kind of glad that this scene happened and the scenes that happened later happen because it gives credence to the them having a intimacy because i didn't like that they just sprung it on us from nowhere in the last episode yeah. but i like that they're going hey we're actually dedicated to this and we're actually going to use it for stuff and there's a reason for it rather yeah. than just <laughs> yeah cuz she finds it very weird that uh, cuz she asks him why did you do that we see the red vines um and then the next scene it just takes us straight to jack going onto the bridge where mm -hmm. he wants to have a word with uh, picard but then papa. they get papa papa uh, picard pa Park park hard. Parkard. Okay, let's continue. Anyway, anyway, um, so uh Jack asked if he could speak to uh his father before he has a chance to answer. There is a compromised prefix code that gets sent to the Titan, uh, which indicates that Riker has been compromised. Um, however, in order to let them know that he's still there. He's let them. He's let the Shrike know where the Titan is, and I'm like, okay. Uh, so they're gearing up to run. Mm. Uh, they're going to the observation lounge, and Jack basically just wants to give himself up to the Shrike because he said, "I'm not worth all this. I'm not worth the ship. I'm not worth the crew. I'm not worth you. I'm not mm. worth everyone losing their lives just for me. Uh, I'm nothing special, essentially." Uh, Picard disagrees with him, um, and then Jack goes because he's he's trying to tell. Picard that there's something wrong with him and he's like I've known for a long time for years that there is something deep down wrong with me mm. but he can't he still can't bring himself to say it like because Picard goes well what what voices do you hear what and he just can't bring himself to say I can hear thoughts and yeah this that and the other and it's like basically yeah so sorry go on it's a strange one because it's like because I was annoyed that Picard didn't uh, say to Jack in this scene like because it's a situation where it's like oh he wants to give himself up hmm. and he thinks that he thinks that's the noble like thing to do but the reality is him going to them and giving them what they want could actually doom everyone because it's the idea yeah. of they obviously need him for some purpose and I was hoping that Picard would kind of point that out of going look they need you for some reason so giving you you're giving you know you to them is probably gonna hurt everyone more you know rather yeah. than sort of holding back until you know because it seems to be that even if they can't uh sort something it does seem very much like they could just wait it out they could like and that's what picard says picard goes hmm, maybe we do have the advantage here where 
like they could just wait until after Frontier Day and maybe the whole changeling plot will fall apart because it required Jack so badly, you know? Yeah. We don't know that. They don't have a way of knowing that, but it's an interesting thing. It was it was kind of weird that they never elaborated that. Like Picard never elaborated that to Jack to basically say, hey, if we give you up, many, many more people will die as as opposed to if we hide you, it's only us that dies. Like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And everyone, and, and like we had in the last episode, everyone on the crew has that they've got that commitment to Starfleet and to the rest of the crew that they're like, cool, if we go down, we go down. And, you know, so, but obviously he's not a member of Starfleet, so I guess he doesn't quite understand that. Yeah. And they sort of allude to setting a trap, and Picard comes up with the idea and he's like, what if we do have the advantage? And what if we can lay a trap? So then we move into the next scene where we have a lovely exterior of the Titan dead in the water with a Vulcan shuttle uh, mm. next to it. Um, the Shrike warps in, sees both ships, um, and they're doing the scans and they find a, a subspace message from the VSS to Planner, uh, which is a nice shout back to First Contact because the ship in First Contact was the to Planner half, the Vulcan ship. Was it? Yes, I did. see. This is this is your exceptional knowledge beating mine. Yeah, well, this is. Um, so basically, the the Vulcan ship says we confronted the Titan. Shots fired. Their warp core is down. Both crippled, dead in the water. Um, Vadik is a bit skeptical, mm. so she does all the scans, but the scans are inconclusive. So she's like, right, let's board the ship. Shuttles, no transporters. Yeah, no transporters. I think the reason why is because the biofilters will probably pick up that they're a changeling, so they're worried that maybe if they beam over, they, they might not make it. I don't know. Yeah, um, it could be that, or it could be that, like as we see later, they've already deployed a permanent, or maybe they just have a permanent transport transporter Scotty block, buffer uh, thing. Yeah, Scotty yeah. buffer. Uh, no. uh, Scotty buffer. But but this is the thing. It's the fact of everything about this is alarm bells. Everything about this to Vadic must be too like to be true. You know, blatantly a trap, and it is. It's really obviously a trap. But like I was saying earlier, she's desperate. She's so yeah. desperate that she's just like, yeah, fuck it. We have to because I'm dead if I don't do anything. I'm dead if I do do stuff. So let's you know go for because like this she said, thing. I can touch him. He's that close. I can touch him. Yeah. So out of desperation, they take a shuttle. Also, a little side note for the little Trekkie geeks, the shuttle that they use is an Alachi spaceship. The Alachi were the race from Star Trek Enterprise Season 1 that has the bug heads. They're all CGI, and they were trying to yeah. dissect people. They are Alachi. The ship is from Star Trek Online, which is an Alachi shuttle. So they've actually made it canon that this ship was uh, purchased by Vadik's uh, Calls um, from a used shipyard. So I'll actually craft. Were they the ones who were already in that one episode? Yep. Because didn't cause... say a word or anything like that. Yeah, because I, I, when I was rewatching like uh, Enterprise the other, well, about a couple of months ago, um, I loved them, and I got really annoyed that they never appear again. And I was just they, like, I, yeah. they, they were like really, really creepy. They're really creepy, really sinister. And it had these kind of X-Files kind of vibe to the episode. And then I was annoyed that they just never do anything with them. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. 
They did but, uh, elaborate on them on Star Trek Online. Obviously, Star Trek Online is is beta canon, as they say, where it's mm. not like really stuff, but the potential uh, elab- canon, potential, potential canon. canon, yeah, yeah. So they elaborated on the Alarchies, and it's the they really fleshed them out in the last couple of years to basically say, hey, these are actually um, native to the mycelial network from Star Trek Discovery that phased really? into our yeah yeah that phased into our reality. Um, and basically they were attacking because the network was getting damaged, blah, 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 blah. So they did, they did a good way of uh, fleshing them out, but whether or not they they, they do that, I, I don't know. I think we won't hear from them, but I think it was just a nice little touch to see that little Alachi shot because I was like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, crazy. I would never have picked up on that. Well, when they get onto the Titan, uh, Vadik's got the life scanner. The sound effects is from the Wrath of Khan when they're looking for the bot- when they're looking for SETI Alpha 5. And you get that little sound effect where they see all the people from the Botany Bay, like da 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 da. I was like, ha, ah, Wrath of Khan. God, I need <laughs> a life. I really need a life. Um, but they're on the Titan. Uh, they see that there's multiple life signs, and Jack. Conf- I mean, balls on Jack for just going straight up to to Vadik and say they're all mm. dead. And she's like, no, they're not. <laughs> I just see. This is the thing, though. I I thought he was going to be a hollow projection. I thought he was going to be a hollow projection, but then I like the idea that he's just kind of sussed. Oh, they're not going to shoot me. So, you know, I have a bit of a freedom, I think. But uh, yes, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's absolutely awesome. Um, but she's like, oh, hello, my boy. I expected you to be taller. And then but she's, <laughs> the reverence in which she's speaking about him, like he's some sort of son, like he's some sort of family as well. But this is the thing. It's the idea of if he is a fucking god, if he if he is a par wraith or something, then you're like going, oh, OK, actually, yeah, there, there should be a level of reverence there. I mean, you know, there should I mean, be. Yeah. We saw the worshippers they got in like uh, DS9 in that one episode with all the nutters. But that's the thing, like, because she keeps going, I want to take you to a better place. And he's like, where? And she's like, oh, it'd be so much better if I showed you. None thought. Hey, nothing wrong with none thought. (laughs) But that's it. Obviously, Maddox doesn't think so. None thought. I mean, crap traffic. They've they've got two Weatherspoons, I've heard. (sighs) Hey, my God. That's going to play havoc with the footballers. But anyway, um, yeah, so... Basically, he says you have to catch me first. Uh, it goes on the run, and it all ends up the laying traps for the crew. They are mm. trying to capture the crew. Uh, so him and Sydney are running, uh, shooting, running, lay the force fields. Um, Jack runs through sick bay, catches uh, Vadik in the mm. sick bay one, um, and then the big bastard, the big goo, as we'll call him, the big, big goo. goo, the big goo. Um, <laughs> comes into sick bay uh so jack does a runner again and it ends up where sydney and jack are trapped in a corridor in between two force fields which are also holding two changelings and you're like okay a little bit of a mexican standoff uh going on yeah. here um so as they're doing that um Jordy goes right hold on out we'll beam you out and that's when they find out that uh-oh some naughty little android may be trying to take over all of our systems here yeah. Um and he's like, why can't we why can't we why can't we transporter? Why can't we transporter? Um and yeah, it's uh oh dear, it's law. Uh like, law shuts the door. <laughs> this is why you should always unplug your network cables whenever you know, so. 
If you suspect so a virus, guys, in. they've left him yep. plugged in, and then this happens. It's a nightmare. If you suspect a virus, guys, always disconnect your hard cables. Exactly. This is your <laughs> Trek Tech advice of the week. Trek Tech advice of the week. Trek Tech advice. <laughs> I'm gonna get some sound effects doing this. I'm, I'm gonna get Adam. <laughs> I'm gonna get Adam to just not play guitar, just sing. Just Trek Tech advice of the week. I get. I'll, I'll get Adam to do anything, frankly. But uh... oh, oh my. Ooh, hey, the but... first oh my. <laughs> hey, oh my. Oh my. But... <laughs> um... But no, but it is, and it's great to see Law coming back, and it's the fact of Geordie explains it later as he just wants chaos, and I'm just like, I'm pretty sure Law just wants revenge. Like, Law is angry at everyone, because, yeah, <laughs> but he, kind he, of understandable in a way. Maybe. He explains what he wants later on, doesn't he? But mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll get to that, because the next scene is obviously Vadik is trapped in sickbay, and we we get to see Pissed Crusher. Yeah, Pissed Crusher. <laughs> Pissed Crusher. Not Pissed Crusher as in I've been on the Lamborghini all night. This is angry, <laughs> angry Crusher. Crusher on the Lamborghini. Sorry, for, the, for our American friends, she's been on the Four Loco. Um, <laughs> she's literally gone Four Loco. Um, and she's basically, she wants to know what does Vadik want with uh, mm. her son? Um, and Vadik's not going to say a word. And she's like, okay, if you're not going to talk to me. And Vadik goes, ah, he is here to play the understanding. You are here to play the. Yeah, it's a good, good cop, bad cop, and good stuff. Good cop, bad I, cop. Yeah. See, I, I quite like this. I, I quite like um, the the Beverly is being threatening here. That you know, Doctor Crusher is being threatening because, just to be fair, after what everything that's happened, we've kind of forgotten where where we started, which is basically that she's been on the run for months, years. Yeah, we don't yeah, know, having her life been made absolute hell. And now she's face to face with this bastard who's been the person doing it, uh, you know, at least in her mind, kind of thing. So it is quite interesting. It's a shame that didn't go further with it, but I think it's very clear that you can't threaten Vadik because they, a, they've got nothing to lose, and b, I think under they know they've got the upper hand in a way. Well, well, they don't because it's law that does it, and that's a kind of. Is it a Deus Ex Machina? I don't know. It's Picard, but you know, either way. Yeah, Picard and Crusher think they do have the upper hand because they're like, we know why you want Jack. We know that you want to make a near perfect double of me. Um, and then Vadik says, and Vadik's like, expression doesn't say no. Is the thing. no, but Vadik is very ambivalent in the expressions, which plays yeah. plays into her her wheelhouse really well. But she also says a very interesting quote where to Beverly. Where Beverly's like, what do you want with my, you know, it, my son, basically. And then she, Vadik just says to her, he was never, never really for you either. Well, this is the thing. And, and this is what makes me think, like, obviously, I, I want to still hold with my mirror universe thing, even though it's becoming clear it's probably not the case. But, okay, hear me out. Hear me oh. out. And I know people are going to be watching this being like, why does Sinoise hate Beverly so much? Sinoise but... theory of the week. Theory of the week. Yeah. No, it's, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe, okay, Beverly is such a shit doctor that she doesn't actually know how pregnancy works. Like, so maybe, like, you know, they just had, like, a changeling stork fly in with a baby in, like, a bag. And he's just like, you've given birth, it's Picard's son. And she's just like, this must be where babies come from. She just blows out a candle for the night. 
So are we saying again. are we saying that Jean-Luc during <laughs> their little date post-nemesis yeah. used a changeling prophylactic that didn't work? Possibly. It could be. It could be anything. But I'm thinking I just don't see of a changeling stork flying in, carrying a baby in Beverly being like, This is where babies come from. But you know, she's like Oh, so also you've got you've got ar- aromantic you've got ar- aromatic syndrome as well, and it's well, Beverly had aromatic syndrome with a candle, didn't she? Oh, mm-hmm. oh. yes, she did. Yes, she did. She she could have got a wick from Asda, but no. Hashtag candle slag. Um... <laughs> no, no, I, I I am a total candle slag as well. To be fair, you know, I've got loads of them. Got. <laughs> Hashtag candle slag. <laughs> oh, Daystrom, please yeah. don't have a candle section. Okay, <laughs> I um... imagine if they do, they just go like, "Oh my god!" They know it's like Rocky Horror where they just go. It's in Daystrom where it's like, "Oh no, she must be in the Zen room," and they just cut to her surrounded by candles, being like. Oh my god, I can't uh, hashtag candle yeah. slag. Um, no, but I, I love this scene though, where this is what I was saying earlier about how it preempts stuff the questions that we we're asking in earlier episodes, because it has basically Vadic going, Hey, you know, like Picard's like, Hey, but we gave you the cure, and Vadic's like, No, you yes. didn't. And that's a question that we said. We said, hang on, no, they didn't. Starfleet would never have given them the cure. It was Odo who was the one who went, hey, I have to do this. It's a great and, backstory, this scene. Yeah, um, it, and it, it's wonderful. Like, I, obviously, I'll let you continue, but it's... Um, no, no, I'll, I'll let you more talk. More stuff I, I want to say. I, I just, I just want to highlight that one quote where there's a little bit of to and from between uh, Vatican and Picard, um, where she goes, you know, every world you touch... You know, turns to dust, and he goes, "Name one," and she goes, "Mine." He goes, "Oh, that that was the way the verve that that came out." Although technically, technically, what is she referring to here? Is she referring to Section Thirty One's virus, or is she referring to the attempted genocide by uh, Inalbrantain? And oh, because that's the thing, because it technically that was the only actual attack on the changeling homeworld. I mean, maybe she knows it well, different, yeah. but that was the because obviously, yeah, it was. It, they genuinely, they uh, and and the Romulans genuinely just went, Hey, we're just gonna kind of firebomb this entire planet from orbit, and it didn't work. Spoilers, um, but that was the plan, it was genocide planned. Uh, but they didn't actually manage it. Well, actually, no, they did. No, they did. They did actually. Technically, they did blow up the world and kill everything on it. But the changelings had all been moved off it at the time, so they didn't actually win. But they did actually destroy the world. So maybe that's what she means. But either way, it wasn't the Federation doing that. So I'm well, assuming please go she's on about this. To yeah. the virus. Please, but. please go on about this scene because I want to hear what you. Well, the, the scene was, I just thought this was amazing because it's a bit kind of scary. Like, I thought it, I liked the reference of basically them being back to what changelings were in DS9, which is like a sort of brown liquid, you yeah. know, like an orangey brown liquid. And it shows them in, in vials. And it's kind of fascinating. Like, 
it's a bit dumb. Like it looks, you know, it's one, you know, one of those ones where you have to accept. Actually, the law is a bit silly here, where basically there's just a row of test tubes, and it's like yeah. these are the changelings, and you're like, well, you know, it's like original series yeah. plots where it's just like that's a thing on a string, and it's like no, no, yeah. no, it's an alien life form. You know, yeah. and it, but then then again, it was a nice callback to DS9. And it's also the fact of, yeah, a changeling is pretty innocent, like, mm. you know, in its natural form. Like, mm. um, but it's it's really harrowing. And I, I think it goes a bit over the top because it's got stuff like, I don't know, it's got stuff like um, medical store blades really. and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. they're not going to do anything technically unless they've found a way to make changelings feel pain. I don't, you know, like through physical nature. I don't yeah. know. But I do think the best thing, and this is something that I called out ages ago, and I can't remember if it was on this podcast or drunk in the pub with my mate David. Um, but it was the idea they were going, was it this? Where well, we were talking about why does Vadic have such a bizarre appearance? Like, it was, yeah, we, we've mentioned this. Was yeah. it? Where, you know, like where it was just going, like, if you could be anything you wanted to, why are her crew all bird people effectively or insect people and why is she this with battle scars and that yeah. and i basically said it's someone that's had an influence on her or someone who has hurt her or someone who like odo's scientist like the first form that she actually came into contact with yeah and to have it validated here is quite good because we're like whoa she's taken on the form of her persecutor of basically the scientist that made her into what she is and i think that's amazing like you know and picard brings it up picard basically just goes yeah um you know it's it's part of the revenge is that she's taken on the face of her you know enemy yeah because she says you know starfleet created the perfect monster um, and those who wanted to join my cause sacrificed a shorter life uh, of eternal pain to mm. to to seek vengeance, basically. So it suggests that this mutation that Vadic is and what her crew is, where they can form anything, like the you know, yeah. like the, what Beverly discovered, where they can do it right down to the cellular level. Well, you know, they can do blood and stuff. Mm. And that's in exchange for having a finite lifespan, because obviously changelings are immortal otherwise. Mm -hmm. and, what I, and it does suggest that maybe she's in permanent pain so maybe that's why she has all the crazy veins on her face and stuff like that is because in order to be this new kind of changeling you're actually in agony constantly maybe well that's the thing because like it sort of just that explains her how she speaks i guess because you know it sounds like she's constantly being constantly poor. in pain and it also justifies when they return to liquid form right why the liquid form is so different to how it was in ds9 because these are mutated uh mm. changelings which will you know they will bear scars in their in their liquid form um i like that it moves we after this it moves back to uh geordie uh lauren alandra where law is taking over the systems and the force fields are starting to fail um, and we get this nice interplay between uh geordie and law and beverly and picard where mm. they go off to one side and beverly says she's too calm she wants us to know this information. She's far too calm. She is a, you know, she is a threat. And Picard, for me, this this sort of took it out for me, where Picard's just like, well, if there's nothing else we can do, and he just cocks the the phaser. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know if this is out of desperation. I I, mm. I really don't know why 
he would decide uh, to just like, well, we'll just kill her. See, that I wasn't sure, because what I was saying earlier is that I wasn't sure if this was Picard realising that this is the last thing they can do or that whatever happens, they can't just let them go. Because the yeah. reality of this situation is they will have to kill all of the changelings on board. Like, yeah. they are too dangerous to tele teleport them back to their ship. They probably can't contain them forever. Like, so even if they... You know, it could be that they even they're trackable. Like it could even be that Vadik, like you know, whatever is controlling Vadik, like whether it's a par wraith or not, has total awareness of where they are in the universe. So it, you know, because that's the thing. It's like Picard doesn't know this, but I think maybe he's got the weather withal to go. Hey, we don't know enough about them. Because obviously, yeah, that's a thing. Like um, Vadik could totally just cut off her hand again summon the the her boss and be like hey we're on the titan come and rescue us you know you know and it, so therefore i think picard is very very aware of this can only end one way with us losing or us having to kill all the changelings once we've got all the information out of them which isn't it's, like yeah. picard but his son is in danger his love of his life i tend to say is in danger yeah 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 I would Data's say that, in yeah. danger you know the whole crew and whatnot um but I reckon, actually, maybe it's a last bluff. Like, maybe it's yeah. the fact that he's cocking the phaser because he knows that Vadik can hear what they're saying because changelings have crazy good hearing because mm -hmm. they can control... You know, they can just make their hearing better, you know? Um, yeah. So it's this idea of maybe it's a bad cop. So he's doing it and he's intending to put the force field down and threaten Vadik but not intending to go ahead with it. But I'd fully understand and kind of be okay with it if he was planning to kill her, because it's... I don't know what I'd do in that situation, you know? Because they do go on about the ethics of it, uh, and even Beverly says that she is... She, she's been considering genocide, just, just to say, yeah. in an earlier scene. <laughs> yeah, she she has. Um, well, this is, this is the start of, for me, is a great build-up of tension throughout the, the final part of the episode. But not only that, the music is absolutely on point throughout the last the last few scenes. Because between this, we've also got, like I said, Geordie and Law. And Geordie's trying to fight Law to keep the shields in place, the force fields in place. Because obviously, Sydney and Jack are both under threat because they've got mm. two big goo bastards on either side of them. Um, big and goo it's bastards. big goo bastards. Um, and I, I love that the desperation in Geordie comes out that we finally get the catharsis we never got at the end of the nemesis of Geordie mourning. And, and we didn't get in Picard season one. No, because when we finally get the death scene of Data in Picard season one, we're like, "But why isn't Geordie here?" Because Geordie's his best friend, and it Geordie felt like a big there. loss. Yeah, Geordie should have absolutely uh, been there, but we finally get it after twenty twenty one years. We mm. we finally get to see because let they were best friends, they were brothers, mm. uh, and to to feel to experience the pain that Geordie was going through then but also what he felt back then mm. it's it, it it realizes and again this is another loose end that was never tied up yeah. because he was he was very calm in nemesis at, at the end but to feel that pain but to say that you broke me but you also your memory made me a 
but it put me back together and made me a better person. And I thought mm. it was, it was, I mean, LeVar, LeVar Burton is a brilliant actor, but again, this just goes to show that this crew after 35 years, their acting is still on point when it comes to these scenes, when it comes mm. to these personal scenes between each other. Um, and he's basically begging, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And Lord just says, like what, like what you want for your daughter, survival. I want yeah. survival. Um, and I mean, this is the thing. It's like law has been pretty hard done to. Like, I think you know, I I feel yeah. kind of sorry for law because it's like he 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 has total freedom of mind, you know, and he has emotions and whatnot. But then he's had no guidance because. Soon is a dickhead. Like every iteration we see of Soong is that he's a he's dickhead. A dick. yeah. And he's not a good father. He's not a good role model. And then to give some give his son like all this freedom, like, you know, we we see when we get data's background, like, you know, Law was so like, you know, he he was like, you know, you know what it's like in school where you know you have horrible bullies and stuff but then later on you realize that they're bullies because they're being bullied or because they're being neglected at home or because they don't know how to control their emotions and stuff and you kind of go oh and then you kind of go that's what law must have been like as like you know a fully grown but still a child effectively in their community and then the community turns around and goes hey your son law is a bit of a dickhead and then uh, Sung is just like oh yeah I'll just take him apart then yeah cool that that's fucking hell. Sign. Like we haven't yeah. got into the fact of that's what laws had to deal with, and then it's the whole thing of whenever he's a problem, he just gets shut down again. And I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. And so I kind of hope that he gets a bit of catharsis in this. He gets a bit of a a better conclusion than just being like, "Oh, you're a problem. Put you over here, then." You know, which is how society deals with things a bit too often, I think. Well, after he says that, you know, I, I want what you want for your daughter. I want survival. He lowers all the shields. So uh, Varric, we, we first see Varric escape. She she changes into liquid. Um, mm. Phasers do absolutely nothing for whatever reason. I Which is odd, point you blank. know, but the, yeah. the problem is they probably had them set to stun. Because in DS9, wasn't it, that you had to have a set to like super kill. You had, you had to set it Vaporize to like Hiroshima or mode or something yeah. you know, to actually hurt a changeling. So she escapes up a chute in uh, in sick bay, um, and then obviously the force fields between uh, Jack and Sydney lower, and then a force field goes up between Jack and Sydney. So they've both got a changeling each. Yeah. Uh, Jack dispatches with his quite easily, um, and then we see a rather interesting scene where he sees Sydney get absolutely face planted into the uh, force field, mm. and then all of a sudden. She goes full more cap. Well, this is the thing, because you did you see that her eyes go red? So he 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 has red eyes and then her eyes flash red and then she starts doing the... Bluetooth. Yeah. <laughs> Parraith Bluetooth. Parraith Bluetooth. <laughs> but yeah, me. that's it. And it and it's fascinating. It's a really interesting thing. And it's like, and there was a bit in my head who's like, that's a bit far-fetched. And I'm like, hang on, we've just had a fucking Android. <laughs> you know, we just had an yeah. Android. We've literally yeah. just had a guy turn into goo. And you're like, going, and that's the bit that I'm a bit like, oh, well, actually, you know. Uh, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. And I liked her reaction afterwards. You're going, what the fuck? You know, like, just like, what was yeah. that? <laughs> because they, they, in between this, Jody's still begging, Jody's still begging. Data finally takes over. 
mm-hmm. uh, Sydney dispatches with the the big goo bastard, or so we think. Uh, Which is annoying because she doesn't kill him. She no. doesn't kill him, and then it turns out he's alive. And I'm just like, but you would, you 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 would you, totally you would. shoot him <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. So data takes over. Jordy, I'm here. Um, then Beverly and Picard realize that. You know, they, they go through Project Proteus, which was mentioned by Vadic. That that was the the, mm. the the Section 31 Black Ops to essentially find a weakness and mutate these changelings. Um, that all of them used uh, Thelonium 847. Now, I thought they were going to put an extra two at the end of that and have 8472 as a nice <laughs> little reference. Imagine, imagine, imagine. if you're like, oh, 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 oh. but they They're can now coming track. In as well. I, I genuinely would love it if Species 8472 appeared in this. Like, or, you know, because imagine with the CG that you could do nowadays, you could make them look oh, God. good. <sighs> Terrifying. Because they were amazing. But what if it is them? Because what was their main thing? Psychic. Oh, damn. And didn't they have a yeah. whole episode of Voyager where they were trying to understand humanity? Yeah, because they had. Uh... Holocaust they made like a fake Starfleet Academy, stuff. yeah, 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 and stuff and things like that. And it's just this idea of just being like, you know, they were like, we're trying to understand humanity. So surely the next step after that is let's try and make ourselves physical in that regard and make human hybrids. Oh damn! Which would be what Jack was, I guess. The conspiracy theories are thick and fast tonight, guys. In uh, my... Actually, okay, okay. Well, what we can do, let's do. How can we do a poll? Can we do polls on YouTube? Uh, only on live. Only on. Oh, live can we? we can you do yes. them all? Well, no, no. You know how you can do posts on YouTube where it's like a text thing or just a picture. It's not like a video. Can you yeah. put a poll in them? I think you can. Um, we should do a poll, basically going: Do we reckon it's Parafs? Do we reckon it's Borg? Or do we reckon it's uh, Species Eight Four Seven Two or something else? And then see what people think. If we're not able to do that, guys, please comment below uh, yeah, whether you the... think it's 8472, it's Parathes, it's... Who else did you say? Borg, I guess. Borg? Or is it something completely different? Yeah. Um, is it Keiko? Season one. Yeah, is it Keiko or Brian? <laughs> it's either Buttbugs from season one, uh, which was from uh, we can't the... put Keiko in because everyone will vote for that because you know the rules of polls. As if you put a stupid option in, it'll win, you know. Who said it was stupid? It's a legitimate option. Where's Miles O'Brien in all this? Miles O'Brien would have dealt with this about three episodes oh, ago. Oh, God, is Miles dead? Is Miles like dead in an attic somewhere? Oh, no, not the greatest Starfleet officer that I ever know. Well, what is Keiko? <laughs> what have you done? If if Miles O'Brien is involved, he'll be sat at Starfleet headquarters going, you want to bring the entire fleet to one place? Ah, Jesus. That's all you're going to get. Just stares he, No, he has to have been captured. There's no way he would allow this to Oh, happen. yeah, 100%. Oh, um, oh, oh, God. But then, yeah, so they say, you know, so they announced to, to the crew that they can track the changelings uh, if they adjust the scanners to Thelonium 847. We see Shaw... Again, very little of Shaw this episode. Not happy mm. about this. Um, but leather jacket Shaw, I'm, I'm here for that. Um, mm. Shaw is engaging in fire. Uh, he gets thrown into a turbo lift and he gets the ever-loving shite 
beaten out of him in that turbo lift on the way to the bridge. I, I was scared because I was scared that he was dead. And I was like, no! <laughs> no if they no, kill Shaw, if they kill Shaw, I'm coming for you, Paramount. Yeah, no, if they kill Shaw, I'm going to... I'm, I'm gonna go up to like Terry Metalis. I'm gonna flick his ear until he goes like, "Stop it, stop it." We like we that, want, and that might take a while. I don't think he talks anything like that. We want the Shaw spinoff. If he dies, bring him back to life because the law in Star Trek is no one is ever dead. No one, no is, one is dead. We, we asked basically. We got the we got the uh, prophets to bring him back. The good pirates. The good him back. The, they the are just called the prophets. The prophets. <laughs> we we got the prophets to bring him back. Cisco descends. <laughs> Angelic, holy Cisco. Oh, it wouldn't have been the DS9 theme, but done by a choir. <laughs> Shaw's like, I love baseball. <laughs> no, that's it. It'd be Cisco, like Angelic, but he's still got the baseball cap on. And it's like one one hand he's got. Yeah, well, one hand he's got something to do with Starfleet, and the other one he's got the baseball. I'm saying it now. <laughs> I'm saying it now. He's he's coming back. The second coming of Cisco. Nine the second is, coming. I love it. Nine is for life. <laughs> um, not the Bullsman. Uh, not the Bullsman. Phoenixes get lost. Um, so yeah. So Shaw gets thrown onto the bridge. Absolutely, Teth hook beating out mm. of him. Um, and essentially, the, the changelings are all they pour onto the bridge. Vadik is in control. Yeah. She does this lovely, lovely thing with seven. She's like, Let me address my ship, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. And I, I do get chills where she addresses the ship and she's she's basically addressing Jack directly. Yeah. Um, because she's like, Let's let's bring Jack Crusher back to where he most belongs. And it's now it's time that you found you learned who you truly are. And then boom, cliffhanger. I was like, oh yeah. I thought it was a it was a wonderful end to the episode. And I think this episode gave us everything. Like everything I complained about last week, about it basically being a bit uh, a utensil episode where it was like mm. this needs to happen we need to do this we need to do this and it felt really crammed together this mm. one was weird because it was shorter than the previous one so it was like 40... 43 minutes was it with without the recap it was 44 minutes so very short oh, yeah and that's the thing and it's weird because there's some stuff where they could have spent more time with it like the law you know the law bits i think they could have like gone further with and they could have spent more time doing that and technically, they had 10 minutes to play around with. You know, if the last one was like 55 minutes and stuff. But um, no, but I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Like, it's, we got to see a lot more of Vadic. Every character pretty much had something to do with, you know, aside from Shaw. But they did get some good lines, I think. Well, did they? I, yeah, I, I think overall... they, they got to talk at the beginning. And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. But, um... You know, we got background on the changelings. We got a lot of lore. We got to see the the big bad again. Uh, we got to, I don't know, we got to see stuff. Like, we got interesting things, which is the fact of, like, it, you know, would we say that Vadik's crew aren't upgraded changelings because they didn't, they, they vaporized when they were killed? I... Because that's the thing, because you know, obviously, the, the one that we had previously didn't die when they were killed. They just retained their human form. So you wonder if maybe Vadik's crew aren't, you know, like, upgraded changelings. 
I think... Or maybe it's just a mistake, you know. I, I think with the, the language that you hear on the Shrike, I think some of them are Breen. Really? Because of so, the certain language that they speak, I think it could be Breen. Again, might be wrong. I'm just throwing it out there. What I'm like, the well, chunky why? helmets? Well, you know, things change in 30 years. But I... I think, it would be nice to get some kind of closure on the Breen because yeah. are they explained in Star Trek Online? Not really. No, they're still they're still an enemy in Star Trek. An Online. absolute mystery. Like it's yeah. really it's really strange. We have like Discovery being like, "Here's another new alien race," and you're like, "Could you just tell us what the fucking Breen are?" You know, like what the they literally they or appear, like that. have yeah. one episode where they're doing slavery, and then the next episode they're like, "Hey, we're at war with the Federation, and we're actually dangerous as fuck." And then they're immediately not. And you're like, this is a very quick arc you've had. You know? They would have, I mean, if this is a sect of the uh, the changelings, the founders, mm. they would have still found enemies, sympathetic, uh, allies sympathetic to their cause. And the Breen sort of, they were in it for themselves because of the territory that they could gain. Um, and I think when the Breen were involved, they were, like you said, dangerous as fuck because these dudes rocked up to san francisco and made a great big fecking hole where starfleet academy used to be yeah so you're like oh damn like these have come out of nowhere obviously they were part of the war but then they were never explained away so if they if there are some green in this i wouldn't be surprised and that's why we're getting that two language type thing I, I i'm not sure i don't know i don't know how i feel about it because i don't think because like you're saying the breen's motivation was power and territory mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to be the plan here like whatever the changelings are doing in this it's not about taking over the galaxy it's not about anything like that it seems to just be revenge it seems to just be cold hard hit starfleet where it hurts you know, it like I don't see any part of this plan that's like, oh, and then we take over the Alpha Quadrant. You know, it's it, they're not attacking the Romulans. They're not. Well, they're not attacking the Vulcans. They're not attacking the Klingons. They're literally just trying to hurt Starfleet by the look of it and cripple, like you know, the Federation more than. Yeah, not the Federation, it's, Starfleet. You know. It's, yeah, it's. And and it's, and, the, and the, I, I think it'd be weird if it was the Breen because the Breen are just like. They're probably still licking their wounds, same as like technically the Cardassians are at this point in time, I guess. Mm, yeah, I, but I'd I like love to see it. more of the Breen, but I don't know a lot of the. I, I agree with a lot of your theories, and I love a lot of your theories. But with this one, if it did turn out to be the Breen, I'd be like, "Where are their silly helmets? Why do they not sound yeah. like a fucking modem anymore?" Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's just a theory, um, but overall, I think again, um, this was a, a nice little episode. Uh, we do get a really good, but finally we get a backstory for Valak. Mm. Um, again, the the series quality is up. There's there's been very little dips, I would say, in the last seven episodes, which I'm really happy about. Um, but overall, like the episode, still going to look forward to next Thursday again. Um, really solid thumbs up um, for this series so far because it just mm. it keeps you guessing. When we sit here, guys, and, and me and the science officer uh, talk about our theories, they are really interesting theories. And it's one of those shows where if you if we notice something, 
they identify it later on and you're like, oh yeah, oh, we picked up on that. Oh, it's like they've actually answered it. And you're like, I love it oh. if, if in the next episode it literally just comes up with a screen saying it's not the Breen. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? Terry Metallus and his time travel device. Breen are dead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um oh, their planet oh. is actually quite warm. Um <laughs> yeah, they just really like air conditioning. Um <laughs> they but no, um uh yeah. That that was our review. Of, there we go. Uh, okay, yeah, that's cool. That was our um, review of Dominion episode seven of Star Trek: Picard, guys. I would like to thank uh, yeah. everyone. One thing I want to mention is the credit music. Like I was saying to you earlier, the credit oh, music yes. that we got in this episode after the fancy, you know, graphics and stuff. It was really sinister, and I was wondering if it was Vadek's theme because it was really wonderful. Like listening to it, I really hope there's a soundtrack there for is. this uh, series. That is there. Yes, uh, it's going to be out, uh, digital download, vinyl. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do CD, but they're the pushing the mm. vinyl, uh, and it looks really swanky. It um, looks swanky. I've never been keen on vinyl. I've got a vinyl player. I've got some vinyls. But I, despite working with music, I, I don't hear the difference. <laughs> Whatever I anyone think, says, I think it's nostalgia. I think this will be a digital download for me because the, yeah. the music has been all the way through the, the show so far has been flawless. Like I said, yeah. the music, the, the last few scenes of this was brilliant because it ramped up the tension. And then shall we call it Varric's theme uh, in the end credits? I think it, it feels like that. Either way, it sounded quite creepy, quite like, you know. Somber, I think. Yeah, like this kind of thing. And, and from what we've learned about her character in this one, it felt like it fit. Like, you know, yes. I, I think it felt very much like that. Those the other soul. thing is that bloody Prime, I don't know what algorithm it runs on or anything, but Prime came up basically being like, recommended to watch next, you know, and it was going to autoplay it. The movie Legend with Tom Cruise. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, like not anything else to do, not Lower Decks, not like Discovery Legend. And you're like, Whoa, okay, right. This is a bit I... of a strange one. I had a promotion for Space Jam 2 and I was like, what? <laughs> and then I then I realized I was like, oh, Sonequa Martin Green. Ah, so I was like, oh, okay, right, yeah. okay. My, Michael Burnham. Okay, that's that's a long stretch, Prime, but okay. I'm still not gonna <laughs> yeah, watch it. I, I have no I have no idea, but um no, I, I absolutely love this episode and it's been really fun talking about it. Uh, but now I have the a question. Fan question. The best I can come up with for this Borg Gallon thing uh, <laughs> is boring, it's rubbish, but it's uh, it's abstinence is futile. <gasps> abstinence is futile. Oh my <laughs> god. I, I, I'm sorry, you put me on the spot, I couldn't come up with anything. So. I have just got into my head Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. But I'm like, that sounds like what? a terrible like meme. Like, you know. what's 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 like an airwolf themed drink that I could consume? Do you know what I mean? Like Bailey's? I don't know. By the gallon? <laughs> Jet fuel? I, I don't know. <laughs> how weird is it? Is this something that American kids are doing? Like, are they actually sort of like drinking themselves unconscious? I don't know. Considering how is. weak American alcohol is, it's like no it's wonder you need water. a gallon. That a gallon would be equivalent to like two pints of like it, it's our beer, water. wouldn't it? Yeah, like compared compared to German beer, where because they always put an advisory when you go to Germany, they're like, "Oh, if you are used to Budweiser, please be careful with our beer because you will die." 
Yeah, no. Like, yeah, you will. Like, if if German beer is... Like, oh, Weissbier is one of the nicest things in the whole oh, world. Oh, yes. Some of my happiest memories are, like, being with family in Germany and basically being, like, just, like, a wonderful, like, summer night kind of thing, you know, where it gets a bit dark, but it's not particularly... It's kind of a bit warm, and then you're just literally just drinking in the air. Because a lot of the places where, well, where family live and stuff, they have it where they have, like, a trust-based... Uh, bars and stuff where basically yes. like you know you order your beers they mark it on a beer mat and then at the end of the night they just come along get your beer mat and be like uh oh you've had nine drinks cool okay yeah i'll bring it up nine drinks and then you pay at the end like rather than here where it's like nope you have to go to the bar each time kind of thing One and of they my... just you have these wonderful lovely chilled nights and stuff and you just want eating schnitzel and you just oh Anyway, <laughs> one, of my most, one of my most treasured memories, and it's very similar to yours, actually. Uh, again, I was in Germany. My friend owns a hotel over there and um, the mini fridge, it's insisted that the everything in the mini fridge is complimentary. Mm. Like, is and that like that it says nice things to you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, sorry. sorry talk. <laughs> um, you look lovely today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bottle of vodka. I will drink you. Good morning. Oh, hello. Uh, no, um, everything in the fridge is complimentary, but it has to be Bitburger beer, two Bitburgers, two mineral waters, two juices. Um, mm. And I just have wonderful memories of just sat like a warm German night in the summer because yeah. you know how hot it gets in Germany. It's like, oh, my God. Oh. Um, <laughs> and just sat there drinking this German beer. And uh, yeah, just just enjoying the sunset in this lovely German yeah. little village. Um, oh, that was a, that was a nice trip down there. That was a nice trip down memory lane. But yes, Ernest Borgnine. If anyone can think of a Ernest Borgnine flavored gallon of drink that I could black out to, please put it in the comments below. Um, I would like to thank everyone uh, who has tuned in to listen to our fantastic conspiracy theories. We still firmly believe that at the end of all this, it's going to be Keiko O'Brien. Yeah, um, who is the main ringleader? The big all the Pirates were, you know, and then obviously <laughs> it could be or I, I, it's kind of becoming maybe Sealer's not going to be in it, but I'm I'm not disappointed on this. But there's still time. There's still no, time. We yeah. didn't expect Tuvok to be in it, but we managed to fit him in this week. Well, if they do, if the Trekkies do get what they want, and we do get a 25th century show starring Seven of Nine and Liam Shaw. If they don't do Sealer, it will be a crime. Because yeah. I think, yes, they are trying to wrap up as many loose ends as possible in a tasteful and in a fitting way. Mm. But let's be honest, guys, there was damn near 25 years of the next generation. That is a lot of loose ends that you need to tie up in 10 episodes. Yeah. There's more stories to tell in this in this uh, era of Star Trek, and people are clearly thirsty for it. Uh, on social media, they are campaigning constantly, yeah. harassing poor Terry Metalis to say, "Have you got anything for Paramount yet?" And then harassing <laughs> Paramount, and then Whoopi Goldberg got involved, and when when Guinan gets involved, you know you're fucked. So <laughs> it's the momentum is is there, um, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, in the description below, you will find everything right down there. Look down, down. There oh, you go. Uh, there, uh, I can see it. I can see it. 
Can you see it now? Yes, it's, yeah. it should be right down there. In the description below, guys, you will see where you can find Nerdy Up North on every possible social media channel that you can ever think of, except MySpace, because we are far too cool for MySpace anymore. Shout but we need a MySpace, damn it. Let's make a MySpace. Can you I will get make a one anymore. Last time I, I looked will... at it, it was like, it's a music thing. And you're like, well, this is out of touch. We will bring back MySpace with the customizable layouts and the glittery cursors and uh, Papa Roach scars for everyone um, on their page because it was 2008 and everyone was emo. So uh, you can find all of our socials down there where you can find us. There will also be some very tasty links to Science Officer Sinoise's YouTube channel, The Velvet Snatch. Would, <laughs> yeah. you, would you like to tell us about what's going uh, yeah, on? Yeah, no, um, it's really wonderful. Uh, Drag Idol is over. Drag Idol is over. Oh. Um, I am. We had the final on Sunday, and uh, it was a very deserving winner. It was. It was, I'm not going to say it was a surprising winner because it basically it played out like you know what it's like with a lot of the time where you watch a show and then. They go, oh, blah, 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 blah. oh, but this person still wins, and it feels mm. a bit shitty. This one basically felt like the events of the evening were the deciding factor, which was quite good. But it's the fact of everyone in the competition was amazing. It was really good. I'm very behind with the actual editing of the Satch Talk episode, though, but that's because I needed a rest. <laughs> Plain and simple. Plain and simple. That everyone needs been to doing sleep, it this guys. week. Because I got ill again. Uh, I got really tired and ill after the crazy weekend i had and then yeah so basically when i had to do the actual studio filming bits of me and dragon stuff i was like death warmed up but we pushed through it so now yeah so but now because there's no deadline it doesn't have to be out for a certain date uh i'm taking my time with it and i'm having a much more enjoyable experience so but yeah and then after that uh gigs we've got the girl global podcast uh that i am one of the founding members of that is g-u-r-l global.com uh, and that's basically an lgbt plus podcast uh, and we'll be doing a couple of episodes of that we've got a couple of guests lined up and whatnot coming there will soon. be a link we've below for that one as well guys cool yeah we need that and then um yeah uh, and then my website the velvet snatch.com and then my twitch which is twitch forward slash sinoise which is s-y-n-o-i-z yeah. Okay, just ignore um, everything I'm saying. Just look at the fucking links. There please, please give him, please give him all the all the likes, <laughs> all the follows, all the subs, uh, like, comment, subscribe on all of his videos. Um, he is absolutely hilarious um <laughs> on his videos. Uh some quite racy jokes. Oh my it's um, my babies, my little egg brethren. <laughs> he's got many eggs in his face. Um Better than having balls in your face. Moving on. Uh, you can also find... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, you can also find me, if you wish to do so, I am on the Twitter, uh, at GoodwillNun. Uh, a link will be down there below. Come and follow me if you want to see me ramble on about Star Trek and talk to all the lovely, lovely Star Trek people in the Trek sphere, as I call it. So, um, you'll The Dyson find me... sphere. The Dyson Sphere of Trekkies. Only uh, Scotty can get you out of. I never want to leave. Um, it is a wonderful sphere of delicious human beings that I wish to know more and bring <laughs> onto the podcast. Um, so you'll probably see me going, I like you. Do you want to come on my little show and talk about Star Trek? <laughs> oh, okay, Miss. Okay, Mr. Lucas, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> so come and join me on Twitch if you want to do that. Like I said, everything else for Nerdy Up North is down there. Um 
Don't forget, if you live in the northeast of England, Nerdy Up North is invading Nerdfest 2023 at the Boiler Shop in Newcastle upon Tyne. On. Hey. <laughs> uh, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Um, on the I love that I haven't paid any attention to this. Like Paul, Paul's like sort of like, "Oh, you coming? You're going to be there?" And I'm just like, "I know that it's an event." You know, so it's like he's going to have to sit down and be like, "Oh, he's the main guest, guys," and he still doesn't oh, know. Um, I'm scared to turn up, and Paul's going to be like, "You need to do things." I'm like, "What?" You just got to see just a 20 foot banner of your face, and yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Snatch Fest 2023, actually, but uh, no, so it's no, that, that's a different event in general, no, no, yes, and yes, I think it's yes. ticketed, yes, uh, damn you, Hilton. Um, so uh, <laughs> Nerdfest 2000, uh, 2023, uh, the boiler shop in Newcastle, um, that is on the 10th of April, 10 a.m., the doors open until 4 p.m. I ha ha ha, I'm one of your cosplaying judges as well as other members of the Nerdy Up North podcast team. I will be judging you left, right and centre. And also, I will be running around the entire expo with my selfie gimbal doodah, taking uh, pictures and videos for Nerdy Up North. If you see me, come and say hi. You might get a prize. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That is sinister as fuck. It's not sinister. In order to avoid lawsuits, there will be little <laughs> prizes. There will be little prizes, but there will also be... Come, and come see me, get a treat. Oh, wow, the badges, the stickers. The Nerdy Up North stickers. So we've got Stranger Things and we've also got... Jurassic Park. So I come found see... mine the other day because remember when Paul gave let us pick one. I got I think I got an alien one, and then I wore oh. the jacket. I wore the jacket that I wore like and then like a month ago, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot I had this in the pocket. You know, come and come and find us, guys. You will get a free sticker from us, and there will be other prizes. But more details will be in the Nerdy Up North community and Facebook mm -hmm. page uh, because some of the things that they that Paul wants me to do, I, I will just outright refuse. Um, please do not, under any circumstances... Wait till you're drunk. Please do not, under any circumstances, lick me. Um, you, may get a, you may get Why escorted. Why do you need that disclaimer? Has that happened? No, but Paul wants it to happen. So please, guys, <laughs> don't lick me. I know the prize is worth it, but don't lick me. You'll just get the, the taste of uh, cologne and maybe regret. So, <laughs> mm, the delicious, enamoring taste of regret and brute. So, please don't. Um, <laughs> but no, we will be there uh, on the 10th of April. So, please come and say hi, come and say hello, uh, come and get a photo with us. Um, because we don't bite much except for Paul, he may headbutt you, but uh, yeah, maybe anyway, a nibble, maybe a nibble, maybe a. Mm. Oh, yes. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, thank you very much uh, for everyone for tuning in. And we will see you next week for our review of episode eight. So live long and prosper and ta-ra. Goodbye.